It's real help for the children. Message produced by Social Security at U.S. taxpayer expense. The opinions voiced in this show are for general information only and are not intended to provide specific advice or recommendations for any individual. To determine which investments may be appropriate for you, consult your attorney, accountant, financial advisor, or tax advisor prior to investing. This show contains forward-looking statements that may not come true. Securities Investment Advisory Services offered through Growth Point Financial, member FINRA SIPC, Growth Point Financial, and Kelch & Associates are unaffiliated companies. And folks, this program is intended for Wisconsin residents only. Well, good morning and welcome to Saturday in the studio. I'm Tom King, joined on location today by Merle Kelch, Kelch & Associates in Wausau. Good morning, sir. Well, good morning, Tom. Good morning, everybody. So where in the world is Merle Kelch today? Hello. Hello, are you there? I am. Can you hear me? Hi there. Yep, <laughs> I hit a button. All right. Uh, so where in the world am I today? I am actually in San Diego, out of Coronado Island. We have a conference that starts on Sunday. Well, tomorrow, I guess. So we came out a couple days early. My uh, bride and I like to go out and do some fishing. So we did a little bit of fishing yesterday. So what is the conference going to be talking about? I would imagine all of the ups and downs in the markets these days. Oh, yeah. We have an economist coming in on Monday morning. Uh, of course, we have compliance officers, and I think they just bring, you know, tasers down. They just tase <laughs> you until you submit to their, to their, uh, you know, liking or whatever you want. So, so it'll be fun. We'll see what happens. Oh, well, let's, I guess, uh, where do you want to dive in? And there's all kinds of news to talk about uh, regarding the markets. Uh, another tough week uh, for the market here. And uh, the headlines, of course, are all reading this morning. Are we... Uh, near a bear market. Is it going to be a bear market? Yeah, Some are yeah. talking about a rally this summer that's going to help. Uh, I guess, where would you like to start? Um, I'd like to start by pouring myself a scotch. <laughs> this early in the morning. Okay. Hmm. Well, yeah. How's that, how's that old thing go? You can't be there all day if you don't start in the morning. Right. So, you know, the, the things that I'm looking at is um, trying to take a look at the risk and where are we going, looking at the market yesterday, that kind of all feeds into one big pool, if you will, at least in my mind, which is kind of a frightening place to be. So yesterday the stock market was up some uh, 250-ish points right in that neighborhood. Then to the tailspin, it went down 600 points. And then as the day turned up, it actually turned up and came up at plus 8.77 points. So the question we look at this is why is that? Well, throughout the course of the day, we hit the, you know, fabled uh, minus 20% bear market. We actually hit it. So with it hitting that spot then, I think we saw a lot of markets, I'm sorry, a lot of money coming back into buying in a marketplace, which we've seen happen quite a bit throughout the course of the last several weeks. And so with that, it keeps pointing to me that if we're not at the bottom, we're, we're near it. I'm not saying the market can't fall off a bit more, but... But it looks like it. it looks like we're falling off to the bottom. So, so in that, it's one of those things, folks. We got to keep the faith. We just got to keep watching. We pop into a number of articles that then pop in today. that start talking about you know places like Reddit and the people who are there, and the people on Robinhood, and primarily you know younger investors uh, that start getting excited about stuff without going into learning about diversification. And it pops into, again, one of the reasons we're seeing such a whipsaw inside of the marketplace. You know, let me give you an example. Tom, when I started in this business, 
which seems like it was 90 years ago, for God's sakes. Um, but as a bargain of the time, we saw the market going up, and no matter what it did, it kept going up. And this was throughout the course of the late 90s. So as it went up, there were people quitting their jobs, and they're joining these suites and becoming day traders. And one of the things they had to do every day is they had to close out their entire portfolio. So people couldn't wait to see what happened. They had to close the portfolio. Made a mess of taxes all over the place. And all of a sudden, just like in a snap or an instant, um, these people stopped trading. Well, what happened is that the market stopped going up every day. And as a result, now you had to have something more than just simply knowing a name uh, before you would invest. So matter of fact, Tom, you and I remember when we were kids, uh, back in the Reagan years, when they're missing children, they put them on the milk cartons. Right. Well, I don't, we don't have milk cartons anymore. But uh, there are all kinds of jokes at the point in time that would just simply say, you know, um, have you seen this person? And it's had a person, it's a day trader on it, looking for day traders. It looks like we're seeing that same type of thing happen right now. You know, we have the, you know, the Riddits and the Robin Hoods that were doing all the day tradings. And it appears to be popping, falling apart now. Um, so we're seeing that slowing down. And people are kind of coming back to some of the basics and the principles of diversification. Folks, I've been a big fan of it, and I've touted on this program for some 20 years. Tom, you've been hearing me doing this stuff for a long time. Yeah. We've been hanging out together for a long time, by the way. <laughs> yeah. So so in here, we're kind of coming back to people saying you have to look at the fundamentals of the marketplace, having a diversified portfolio, taking advantage of when times are down, such as right now. I mean, we've been in our office doing that throughout the whole whole downturn here over the course of the last number of months. We've been taking advantage of the market down. And I know that we'll be paid for it as the markets go back up again. So so all the stuff is all kind of combining into, in my opinion, the ball of yesterday. But we saw the market jump around so much. I mean, hell, you think about it, Tom. We were at almost a thousand point whipsaw yesterday. Um, I think I've only seen that one other time in my career. Um, and if we look at it as a percentage, um, it was a pretty good percentage whipsaw yesterday. Yep. Um, but it all kind of comes back to money pouring back into the marketplace again. Well, you mentioned the younger investors and, and the effect they have on the market. What about the Internet as, as, as a tool? I mean, people can trade now a lot faster, a lot mm-hmm. easier than they used to be able to. Um, how big of a factor is the technology involved in, in investing these days? Is that, has that been good for the investment world? Has it been bad for the investment world? Or is it just one of those things that's kind of there? You know, Tom... I kind of try to think of an analogy, and I'm not sure if my analogy is really going to work today, but first of all, I love the Internet. Um, when I was a kid, starting out in this business, if you wanted to get research on an industry or companies, you are going to spend hours and hours at the library or wherever it might have been um, reading through value lines of Morningstars and these great big books trying to get the research on companies. It took a lot of work. I can remember when I was in college, which was five years ago, Tom. Uh-huh. Yeah, yeah, five years ago. Uh-huh. Uh, we were so excited that these guys came out with this CD that had all the value lines on it, and you could put it in a computer. CD-ROM, yeah, it, as opposed to a oh, CD. Yeah. Uh, set for, yeah. Yep, yep. Yeah. And in the blink of an eye, Tom, 30 minutes, <laughs> <laughs> you could do your research on a stock and come up with a list of stocks and stuff that you make. So way back in that time, whatever it's worth, you know, I was we had the stock market game instead of college. And I used this research to pick my stocks, and uh, and and I won. You know, so I'm proud of that. But, but, but the research now is that is right there in the fingertips for us. 
Um, it's right here as far as on the Internet. Um, Tom, you can look it up as much as I can now, and I love that. I think it's fantastic. But what I think has now happened is that the Internet has started adding to the volatility as younger investors start using it to be able to trade faster. And I'm not saying it's good or bad or different. It's just a lot faster. Do, so, the, um, do the younger investors actually use all of the information that's at their fingertips, or are they as, as flighty and as uh, you know ADD addle as um, many of the rest of us that we just don't have the patience for that, that they're just going to go for the quick score as quickly as possible and not do the research you're talking about, even though doing the research is easier these days? So far, it seems like it's, it's the, the quick and fast. Same thing you and I did when we were in our 30s, Tom. Same stuff. <laughs> What's the fastest has got to be the best. So, you know, I, I kind of, so here's my analogy, I thought. Uh, when Caveman came around on the scene and discovered that raw meat kind of stinks and maybe we should cook it, it took a lot of work of beating on the sticks and a rock and warming them up and getting sparks to get a fire going. But eventually got the fire going and they got the meat cooked. As we're today, you know, we walk up with a little bit of a thing and pull a trigger and it makes a really hot flame and has their fire going in a matter of seconds. We still get the meat cooked. We just get there a lot faster right now. And I think that's what's happening. And I think that's adding to the volatility that we're seeing. You know, eventually we're going to have a recession, folks. There's going to be no doubt about it. But it's not today. And what we're seeing inside of the marketplace is, is a knee-jerk reaction, in my opinion, knowing that we're going to have a recessionary period of time coming. So we look at the data. There's probably not going to be a recession this year. And, and, and very well couldn't be until at least the second half of next year. Uh, when we look at the information data, but we look at the polling um, that we're seeing coming through, um, we're looking at that. People think there's a recession starting now, and it's just not the case. The math isn't there. So, so let me kind of go through my list here of some of the things that, folks, if you're out there, and, and again, everybody listening, we're here to help answer your questions if we need to talk you down from the ledge, we'll do that. Uh, but here we go. You know, interest rates have only gone up three-quarters of a percent. Three-quarters of a percent doesn't cost an inflation. Um, in fact, uh, money is still so cheap to borrow if you need to build your widget machine. Or even if you want to uh, buy a mortgage, interest rates are cheap. You know, Tom, you and I can look back into the early 80s, and, and we know what interest rates were at that point in time, uh, uh, buying a home. Heck, my first home had a 13% interest rate to it. You know, so we look at this stuff. Interest rates are still low. The interest rate increase that we've had is very low. The Federal Reserve has yet to start increasing uh, their, their bond buyback or their tightening on their bond program and the reduction of their balance sheet. They haven't started that. But when they do that sort of stuff, it still takes a year to a year and a half before it starts having an effect as far as the tightening the economy. So the three-quarters of a percent that they've done right now has barely had an effect. And so nothing, again, that's throwing us in a recessionary period of time. Business is still making money. In fact, the S&P 500 is making a lot of money. Now, granted, Walmart and Target have it, and they've slowed down on their Target. But you know what else? It's the same thing that happened with Amazon. We're not home shopping anymore. We're all doing more things. Um, and, uh, and that's having an effect. Don't get me wrong. Higher oil prices and some of the inflationary effects in some of our goods are causing a lot of the shoppers that would be going to Walmart and Target. They're not spending as much, but it's kind of a dual effect that's happening. So we take a look then of, of uh, uh, you know, houses. Um, we need housing. 
Um, housing's not going to slow stop. It's slowing down, certainly. But the wood prices are coming down. Um, in fact, they're down in half from where they were. Um, uh, if we look back in March and April, they're about half now for the price of wood. Um, and, and, uh, and we still have to build housing because we haven't built enough over the course of the last 10 years. And uh, we need housing. So all this stuff continues to point forward that the economy is still moving, is still growing, still going forward. And a lot of this is a knee-jerk reaction. Well, the knee-jerk reaction, though, I mean, obviously can can do damage, even though it's short, oh, yeah. short term. Oh, yeah, yeah. yeah. All right. Yeah, I'll I tell mean, you what. Yeah, go ahead. I said, I don't like what's going on in my investments either. And I'm sure that uh, you get uh, word from your clients when they look at their 401ks every three months. Yeah, I uh, mean, clients call us right now. And we mean it tongue-in-cheek, but at the same time, a certain amount of lesson. My client calls and says, what about my portfolio? What should I do? I said, don't look at your statements till September. And if you really want to look deeper, how much cash you got? Let's buy some, let's start buying some stuff. Um, and it was kind of interesting is uh, we've not had one client start going through and saying, let's sell everything off. Not one. Uh, but we had a whole bunch that said, I have some cash. Let's buy some stuff on sale. Is that is that the general consensus of what's happening? Uh, like, what do they call that? They call that capitulation. So you yeah, don't yeah. you don't believe that we have reached market capitulation at this point? You know, in hindsight, I'll be able to tell you perfectly. Um, but if I had to take my best stab at it, and this is my guess, is, is we're about there. Um, I said it last week. Uh, I said it the week before. I say it now. <laughs> yeah. Um, um, yeah. But we're we're about here. You know. Um, we see evidence of capitulation is when the markets go down, you see a bunch of cash rush in and drive the marketplace up. And Friday was probably the best example I've seen in, in, uh, in a long time. Um, you, know, you see a thousand point swing like that, and it's basically all cash going to the marketplace. Um, boy, I, I think we're here. Um, we might wait. The market might say, we, we need to hit that 20% down mark, which, which we did, by the way, on Friday. Not at close, but in our day. Um, but I think we're here, you know. All right, 715-845-2155. We're going to take a break. We'll come back with more. If you have a question for Merle, today's the day to get it answered. Give us a call. We'll be right back on WSAU. Most of us like to be out in the sun. That's why sunscreen and other safety measures are key to protecting your skin from aging and cancer. The FDA recommends using a sunscreen with a sun protection factor, or SPF, of 15 or higher. Also, look for broad spectrum on the label. That means both harmful ultraviolet A and B rays are blocked. UVA rays age the skin, UVB rays burn, and both cause cancer. But the perfect sunscreen doesn't count if you use it wrong. Don't need sunscreen on a cloudy day? Wrong. 80% of UV rays still get through the haze. Only use sunscreen at the beach? Nope. Anytime you're outside, UV rays attack the skin, so you need protection. And you have to reapply sunscreen every two hours. Remember, SPF plus broad spectrum equal healthy fun in the sun. Visit www.fda.gov sunscreen for more information. A message from the U.S. Food and Drug Administration. This is a St. Jude moment. Ashton was a high-level athlete, and in a, an instant, your world flips, and your healthy five-year-old competitive cheerleader has a brain tumor. And the physician was like, your best option is St. Jude. Receiving treatment that was life-saving for our child and knowing that that treatment would be of no cost to us was a huge weight lifted. 
Learn more at stjude.org. All the time, obviously, I think most people realize what that is, although they may not uh, know how to get there. When you, when you, when they look at their portfolio, say they get their four hundred one statement, four hundred one k statement, and they look at that pie chart. What is the best diversification at this point in time? Is there a general rule of thumb when the market is in a particular place? Well, if you're not sure if you're diversified, you see Merle Couch. <laughs> okay. So, <laughs> Indeed. You know, some things have gotten really good, like with 401ks and so forth and diversification, and at least getting a person there. You know, I've said many times, I'm not a big fan of like the target funds or the lifestyle funds. I'm not a big fan of that. But you know what? If a person's using those at minimum, at least they're getting some diversification because they're doing it within what they're doing. The lifestyle funds or the target funds are adding your stocks and bonds and large and medium and small and that little bit. They're building them in on the inside. Um, The reason I don't like them is because I want to have more control over what's going on. You know, for example, right now we're having an an issue with um, a rising interest rate environment, which is dropping bond values. Then many of the target funds and the lifestyle funds have a bunch of bonds built into them right now. Then you're going to suffer loss in that particular part of it as interest rates rise um, if you're inside of one of those funds. Now, I'm not saying that's bad because the other stuff could certainly rise up to counteract that, but I'm of the opinion I'd rather build it myself rather than to have those pieces or components in it that I know are going to lose money here shortly. Um, uh, in them. So so with that, if you're using one of those, at least you're getting some basic diversification, and that's not a bad thing. The old days of a person saying, I'm going to pick out of my uh, two dozen mutual funds or investments within my 401k, looking at it and saying, last year, XYZ and ABC did the best because, look, they had the highest rate of returns. I'm going to put money inside of there. That, you're going to shoot yourself in the foot, folks, if you're doing that. And so don't do that. If you're going to, to contact an investment professional and help them give you some diversification in that portfolio. And if they want to charge you and wish to do so, you know, come see us. We'll, we'll help you with some of the basics on that stuff. Um, and, and, and I mean that because it's so important for people to get diversification. And a lot of times now there's a lot of financial professionals that won't help you with that um, uh, because uh, they feel as though they shouldn't. And I feel as though if you're an investment professional, whether you're investing $1,000 or somebody, you should help them with a 401k simply because it's, it's good practice in which to do so and it takes care of people. That said then, um, we got to have that diversification um, depending upon what your risk is as an individual, whether you can't sleep at night or not sleep at night. You don't want to have all of your money sitting inside of uh, a mid-cap mutual fund, for example, because the volatility can kill you, especially if you can't sleep at night. So you got to have that thing diversified. And for most of us, our 401ks, our 403bs, and that type of stuff are probably some of our biggest investments that we have, if not the biggest. And we got to make sure we're tending to that flock, uh, the best of any of them. And so um, find somebody that will help you with that stuff if you're unable to do it on your own. If you have some extra money that's not part of your 401k, um, where would you go with it right now? Tom, there are so many things that are on sale. Um, uh, incredibly on sale. So as we've been on this trip with the market going down, um, and this is Merle Kelch, our stuff, um, uh, we've been, you know, sending texts back home to our staff and saying, hey, um, you know, take some money and then send it in here. We're going to start buying some stuff. And, and you know, I'm, I'm talking about me personally because there's just so many good things that are on sale right now. Um, you can find some high-quality investments, whether they're stocks or mutual funds, you can buy them right now on, on sale that are just tremendous. 
Um, we were able to pick up some stocks that uh, I haven't seen in prices in a long time. We picked some up yesterday. But remember, folks, when I'm investing, I'm not investing for three months or six months. I'm investing for three, five years down the road. Um, and uh, the, the deals we got have just been tremendous uh, uh, individual stocks. If people hear commercials uh, for, you know, these doomsday scenarios that, you know, the market is going to crash, put your money into this, whether it be gold, whether it be uh, whatever it may be, um, what's your take on those? Should, should we just ignore those and go la 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 la? I don't want to hear it, or or is there? Well, some, the la there... la la, uh, yeah, that should be a short tongue. Yeah, the, the la la la. It la, probably la. is. Yeah, yeah don't tell. You know, let's look at it like this, folks. Um, if you go into your refrigerator now and you open it up, um, is everything in your refrigerator grown by you or your neighbor? The answer is no. Um, if you open up your closet, did you weave your own clothing and make your own clothing? The answer is certainly no. If you go under your kitchen sink or in a, go under the sink in your bathroom and you look at the products that you use for you know cleaning and dishes and everything else, did you actually make your own lye soap out back? The answer is no. The companies that do that stuff, they're not going to go away because the stuff that we need as a human society to make actually work and function. We have to have that stuff. And these companies are going to make it work one way or another. It's going to continue on. So it's not going to disappear. Uh, we just simply have to make sure we're buying the companies that we know and we're going to be using some of their products. Um, that's one of the biggest ways they talk about trying to find defensive stocks, not as a defense industry, but defensive stocks because it's products you know and you use on a regular basis. Um, and so, and that's what you start looking at because it's the names of things that you know. It's not going to fall apart. The world's not going to fall apart. The stock market's not going to fall apart. Um, but it's going to have some volatility. And it seems like the, the Internet and the speed, as we talked about before, Tom, um, that Internet and speed and volatility is just really amplified because of the, the Internet, if you will, and the speed that's out there. Gee, what are the, what's the, the price this morning of some of the beer companies then? I better start investing heavily. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Well, we talked about our vice stock. Yeah, it's yeah, okay, yeah. You know. All right, we're going to take a break for some news. We'll come back with more. If you have a question for Earl, give us a call. We'll be right back on WSAU. If you came across a child struggling with hunger, how would you recognize them? By their clothes? Their age? The way they speak? Would you recognize a 13-year-old boy who gets into fights at school? Not because he's a boy, but because he's hungry? Or a two-year-old girl who cries all night? Not employed and uncertain to empowered and prepared for what's next. Find your path to a new career today. Visit findsomethingnew.org. A message from the Ad Council. The opinions voiced in this show are for general information only and are not intended to provide specific advice or recommendations for any individual. To determine which investments may be appropriate for you, consult your attorney, accountant, financial advisor, or tax advisor prior to investing. This show contains forward-looking statements that may not come true. Securities Investment Advisory Services offered through Grove Point Financial, member FINRA SIPC, Grove Point Financial and Kelch and Associates are unaffiliated companies. And folks, this program is intended for Wisconsin residents only. And we're back. I'm Tom King in the studio. Merle Kelch joining us on location today. Hey, when you obviously you follow the the market news uh, every day, and I would imagine a lot of other investors do as well. What about following the regular news and how the regular news and maybe some some uh, surveys that uh, have been reported. Uh, play into maybe some investment tips. I saw a story this morning online. It says millennial homeowners prefer to do renovations, which could be favorable for companies like Home Depot and Lowe's. How 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 close do you watch the regular news 
and how that would relate to sectors in the investment world that would be going up or down? I'm one of these odd people that I probably drive my wife absolutely nuts because I'm continually watching the news and I'm watching all of it. I even watch some of the weird stations that you might watch just because I want to try to get the perspective of that side of the world as well. Weird. Okay. So, <laughs> so um, in here, I try to watch all of it because it, all of it matters. I mean, it, has a, and a, it all matters to see what kind of a trending is going to happen from the investment part of the world, which, of course, is my industry. Are stories and like so that, try to watch all of it. Are stories like that safe to use as investment um, trends, as, in, as information to make decisions on what to do with your portfolio? What I find is interesting is um, a lot of the stuff that you see in, in that nature is already information that's already out there. Um, anybody who is sitting in my seat, my driver's seat, already knows that when you're having a, a you know potential slowdown in the economy um, and people have that perception that we have a recession coming, whether it's here or not, um, what they stopped doing is they stopped having, uh, for example, in the, in the case of you know Menards, Lowell's, Home Depot, uh, what you tend to have is people not having a contractor come out and do their stuff anymore. They tend to start doing it on their own. And it's almost always with the millennial ages, um, you know, or millennial currently, of course, the 30-somethings. 30-somethings, 40-somethings, they're usually doing the stuff on their own. The 20-somethings yet usually haven't bought a house and aren't doing too much. Um, but you tend to see those sort of marketplaces doing it because people start to do it on their own so they can save a few dollars. So there's no surprise that we saw you know, Home Depot has some great numbers. I think Lowe's was off a little bit um, uh, recently, uh, but it's no surprise because it's something we always see in there. So then you see it happen in the current news. Um, you see that, ah, so what has happened in the past is happening once again. 715-845-2155 is the number to call here. If you have a question for Merle, give us a call here this morning. So uh, what do you do on a daily basis when it not maybe talk about, your average day when you come to the office, what, what is your, oh, your, what is your roadmap as to what you do on a daily basis? Well, according to my friends in my office, <laughs> um, I'm already semi-retired, okay. uh, but you know, if, if, if you were working full time, what would your day, what would your average more, day look like? More people give me a hard time. Yeah. You know, here's, here's a, here's a little insight into Merle's world. Um, it's not that it's a lonely place, but I seem to be one of the only nutcases in the world that do this, at least for most people that I know. I'm usually up somewhere between 6, 6.30 in the morning. Sometimes I stretch to maybe 7. Well, you sleep in then, huh? Well, yeah, <laughs> unlike your job. Uh, but then again, I don't go to bed at you know, 8 o'clock like you do. So. That's, that's true. Um, but, you know, I'm, I'm usually up in the morning. You know, you get up a little bit and you, uh, you know, get your coffee and get your morning routine going. I'm usually reading um, for about an hour and a half to two hours in the morning just on stuff that's going through, and you're going through MSNBC, CNBC. I'll browse over the CNN stuff to see what kind of crazy stuff is going on there. Um, uh, as we know, Market Watch, which is a, one of the sites that we use, I'll go into the other types of uh, news that are looking anywhere from what's going on in the marketplace, what's going on inside of world politics, what's going on in world events. All that stuff is going to matter from the day. So by the time I get uh, rolling into the office, which is usually about 10-ish in the morning, and now right now if my staff is listening, they're actually kind of giggling at me because sometimes it's a little later, Tom. So as soon as I get in throughout the course of the day, you know, we get in our office, we start, or start having clients coming in and that kind of stuff and, and interviews with clients and meetings. Um, but I always have uh, um, CNBC on in the background. We're always listening to that, sometimes flipping over into Fox, into Bloomberg, back and depending upon what's going on throughout the course of the day. 
So all that stuff is always in. On my phone and my iPad, it always has notices that pop up that there's something happening with individual companies we happen to be watching. It pops up because it's information or notices about those companies. And so when we talk about folks in this world um, that I'm reading about this stuff and reading about it constantly, it, it literally is. So we're sitting out here having a little bit of time and a vacation with my wife and I before we have a conference that starts tomorrow. And the whole time we've been doing work back and forth in the office, I'm flipping the TV over to see what's going on with some of the other marketplaces. We're on the airplane, uh, for God's sakes, Tom. And as we're coming in, I'm watching. I'm the only person sitting in our seating section that's got uh, MSNBC on the morning, you know, on, on the airplane. And it's just so I can see what's going on with the news as we're going through because it wasn't working all the best on the airplane. So we try to keep touch of with everything that's going on because it all forms a, a direction of the ship. Um, I know that not one article or one thing that pops up today is going to have a dramatic effect in everything, but the collection of all the data tells us direction the ship is going to go. So when I give my opinion and says, you know, so we just don't see anything that's telling us we're going to have a recession, at, in the, at least not in the near term here, um, it's because of information that comes from a huge amount of collected sources. And I look at it that I owe this to the people that trust me to help them with their money, um, that I have to have as much information and the best information as possible. That's the normal part of my day. Uh, you know, in all the years we've been doing this show, for the most part, you have been a a bull market guy, and uh, now we're getting close to a bear market, and I wanted to get your perspective on that. But, I mean, very rarely uh, are you not in a buying mood. You always say you can always find something on sale, uh, and right. when the market is down, it's the time to buy. When, then, in your world, is it, is it a good time to sell? I mean, obviously, yeah. the old line is buy low, sell high. But at, at, at what point do you as an investor and do you as an advisor suggest that people take money off the table or, or make some adjustments like that? Well, you know, Tom, what's interesting is, is we sell investments almost every day for clients. Um, but it's for the money that they want to take a $1,000 a month because they're retiring. So we sell investments all the time. And what that does is it allows me to make sure a portfolio is balanced in a reverse way. So, for example, if their large cap stocks are too heavy for their portfolio, I can sell a little bit off and make sure the portfolio stays in balance. So it's a, a way of managing the risk in a reverse basis, I guess, if you will. But, you know, when you look at it, um, when do you stop investing? And, Tom, I would contend that it's sometime right after you die. Um, you know, the probability is, Tom, you and your lovely bride are going to retire and you guys are probably going to still be alive for a while. So even though you stopped working, your money can't. It still has to continue on to keep moving forward and making you money and, and keeping within your retirement income and lifestyle that you want. So it doesn't end. It doesn't stop. So what I look at is during a when it looks like there's going to be a recession prolonged, um, I look at how do we secure the income. And so sometimes we'll sell a little bit of money and we'll put it inside of another area that's going to secure income one way or another. Then whether it's something that has uh, guarantees to it, such as municipal municipals or or inside of bonds uh, area, uh, or whether we're using annuities, something like that. That's something I look at during that time of recessionary period of time. I also look at it and say, okay, is there cash in there where we can take advantage of investments now that we're going to use in three and five years down the road? We have the advantage of doing that. Now, sometimes we look at it and investments just stink. I mean, there's something wrong with it. You, know, you look at, you have, uh, uh, you know, a elemental P, uh, you know, fund, and it's stinking compared to its tiers, peers having some management problems, but we got to get rid of that and replace it with something. So so that sort of stuff you always keep an eye on. I think one of the last times 
that we've done something on a wholesale basis of selling investments out of all clients and moving it. That uh, was back in uh, 2008 and 2009. Um, we didn't know what was going to happen with the international marketplace as far as the banking system goes. And so at that point in time, we took all of our clients out of international investments to put them in U.S. government bonds, simply because we knew that all bets off, we get that the U.S. government was still going to be functioning when all the deaths settled from all the financial crisis we were having back in that point in time. Since then, we just haven't seen anything where we need to do that. We've stayed away from some things as an office just because we don't know how they function and how they're going to work with the cryptocurrencies. Now, we stayed away from them because we don't have any meat to them. We can't grab anything. It's not a hard asset. It's a computer program. So we stayed away from some of that, thinking that there's going to be some problems in the future. And and, and largely, there's a lot of broker-dealers or people in my industry that keep in that same path. A lot of the purchasing gets into the industry is by individuals buying blocks on their own and trading. All right, let's go to the phone here this morning. Good morning. Who are we talking to? Uh, Jim. Jim, you're on with Merle. Go ahead. Morning, Jim. Yeah, yeah, Merle. Uh, tell me a little bit about preferred stocks. I, I'm, I'm, I, I know basically what they are, but give me your opinion, please. All right, we've had a lot of conversations coming about preferred stocks because they always pay some sort of a dividend or yield when people get excited about that. Uh, preferred stocks are good. I never have a problem with preferred stocks, but most people have to remember that a preferred stock does not have a finite life. Almost all preferred stocks end up uh, getting called back um, or ending at some point in time, and especially with the, the nice yields you see on preferred stocks right now, I wouldn't imagine a lot of preferred stocks that are out there are going to be here in a year or two coming down the road. So preferred stock is not going to go up in value, at least not much. Preferred stocks are pegged around that $25 mark. And they may go up or down a little bit from there, but that's generally the peg. And, of course, it's not all of them, but the general consensus of the preferred stock. So the preferred stocks pay a dividend, um, and that dividend is typically pretty secure. You get that dividend coming out um, on a quarterly basis uh, for most stocks, um, and that's it. You're not going to get much more. You're just going to get that dividend, which looks really, really attractive right now. Uh, given the interest rates where the stock market is going. But let's think about it this way, Jim. Let's say you have preferred stock from XYZ company um, and it's paying a 6% dividend. Well, eventually the company says, well, you know, um, things might be a little bit rough right now, but we think we can uh, uh, have it so that uh, these preferred stocks are paying a 4% dividend so that they call out those preferred stocks and reissue new ones. Um, so it happens on an ongoing basis. But preferred stocks, there's nothing wrong with them. Uh, they tend to hold their value. And right now they're attractive because the interest rates are a little bit higher than normal. Um, so uh, that's that. But it's not cool. Thank you very much. Many people think. All right. Thanks so for the call. That helps, Jim. Appreciate it. 715-845-2155. We need to take a break. We'll come back with more. If you have a question from Merle, give us a call. We'll be right back on WSAU. Now is scoring a political victory here, which is disgusting. Central Wisconsin's home for Dan Bongino. AM 550, FM 99.9, and in Wausau, 95.1, WSAU. And we're back. I'm Tom King in the studio, and Merle Kelch joining us on location. We've got a few minutes left. If you have a question for Merle, 715-845-2155. You mentioned just in passing before the break about uh, how most of the people in your line of work, at least the ones you know, have shied away from directing clients to cryptocurrency. Another big... uh, Big uh, swing in the cryptocurrency markets again this week. Bitcoin taking a big dumper and a couple of other cryptocurrency companies. One, I think, went all the way down to zero. Uh, are you telling people I told you so when uh, when these uh, topics come up these days? 
Only to my son-in-law. That's uh-huh. the only person I tell that to. Uh, just his son-in-law. Uh, you know, I, I, I don't. Like anything else, it's a risk. It's a risk, um, and people have to be willing to accept the risk. Um, if they want to ride it all the way down, that's the risk that they accept it to take. Um, I just, again, don't like it, and I'm a big fan of, of, of saying this, is that um, I don't like it because it's a computer program. It's nothing hard that I can hold on to and grab on to. And so with it, it's not a point that you can say, I told you so. It's like, you know, lesson learned. and You just got the lesson handed to you. Um, and, and we're seeing some of that happen. So the, some of the cryptocurrencies going down to zero, it goes down to what the value of it is from an equity standpoint. It's, it's worth zero. It's a computer program, folks. And so uh, that's what's happening with it. But um, if you're investing into that whole bit, make sure it's an amount of money, as I've said so many years, you know, make sure it's an amount of money you can afford to lose at a casino and not complain about it. And hopefully that's indeed the case. Hey, Tom, we have an article out here that's on uh, MSNBC. I'm sorry, uh, CNBC. Oh, I we got the right place. Um, it is on CBS Market Watch. Uh, the technician who called the 2020 market bottom says a shocking rally is in store. It's an article by Steve Goldstein. So uh, just briefly in here, folks, I know we don't have a lot of time left, but it's kind of important to look at, or at least interesting to me is that in here, the uh, person by the name of Tom DeMarc is a technician. So a technician is a person who's watching the charts, you know, the probability of stuff going down, the means, the averages, the stock market's going up and down, that whole bit. Um, and he's, uh, you know, whether, rather noted in, and uh, renowned in this industry. And he was the one who called the market bottom um, when we looked at the, uh, uh, the drop after the uh, COVID pandemic. So as it goes through, he looks at this and says, you know, we might have uh, the ability of the market coming back up again. So with it on the other side, a gentleman who is the chief equity strategist for Jaffrey, Sean Darby, said that the total right now for the market coming out of the stock market has been $46 billion versus the uh, pandemic when that happened was $91 billion. So he thinks the stock market should, should keep coming down for a while. But I think the pandemic is a little bit different animal than the market slowing down. Uh, but nonetheless, uh, Tom DeMarc, when he looks at his numbers, uh, just kind of coming down to the chase here, Tom, um, he has expectations of a 60% to retracement of losses, which means that in your term, the expectations he thinks is that the stock market is going to go up by 4,400 to 4,500 points in the near term on the Dow, which will be a significant jump back up again. So uh, good, bad, or indifferent, um, that's what he says. Uh, that the market could turn itself back around again. But but, but when the, you talk about that, a bear rally, that's not going to maintain those numbers, though, right? Isn't that the whole thing? That uh... Again, it's all dependent upon based on what happens with the profits of the underlying corporations. Okay. If the underlying companies within the Dow can support the valuations, uh, the answer is, yeah, it certainly could maintain itself. Um, I would contend at this particular point in time uh, that the companies are making some money. Um, it may indeed be uh, too low. You know, so we'll see what happens on that. But there's always some light at the end of the tunnel for all the people who say nay, nay, nay. There's always somebody who's saying yay, yay, yay. Tough week for Elon Musk. Um, sexual assault cover-up charges. The Twitter buy is on hold now. Uh, and uh, I think Tesla took took a hit as well. Um, what's your take on the situation there with Tesla, with Twitter, with uh, all of the stuff that's going on in Elon Musk's world? My take is he probably still has more money than he can ever spend. Wow, no doubt about that. <laughs> you know, so Twitter makes sense to me because, you know, they're they're betting that uh, he said they're going to pay 54 for this. It's not even trading near that. Um, you know, claims were done that, uh, you know, the, the bots on the inside, which, of course, 
folks are just computer AEI programs that are inside. We're less than 5% of the total, but um, they can't prove that. And so um, I think he's going to end up asking for a discount over the 54 because there's a bunch of stuff they can't prove. So um, my guess, the volatility for Twitter and those kind of things are going to be the case. Um, and companies on a regular basis um, are paying stuff out because their executives have been claimed to have uh, you know, sexual assault charges. That's nothing new. We've seen that happen continually with companies across the board all over the place. So in here, uh, nothing new in my opinion that's really changing anything from what we're seeing inside of corporate America. All right. Well, we're just about out of time here today. If folks want to get a hold of you on Monday or whenever you get back, how can they do that? Well, um, you can get a hold of us. Um, I won't be back on Monday, but certainly our office and staff will be there, and they're always able to get a hold of us. So you can stop in, kick the tires, have a cup of coffee on 3rd Avenue and Bridge Street in Wausau, Wisconsin. Um, so I hold a Kim and Mary. I think they're both going to be there on Monday. And uh, you can give us locally a phone call, 715-849-3600. Outside of the Wausau area, 866-355-5100. Or find us online at kelseyandassociates.com. And next week, my friend, um, our good friend Alan Hulgum is going to be taking up the helm there in the studio um, as I will be out uh, trying to catch a fish up north and so folks So folks should have their estate planning questions ready for Alan next uh, they should Saturday have their morning. Estate, yeah, whatever questions. Dump the guy, would you? Okay, all right. We'll you try. Know, we'll, <laughs> we'll try. All right, we'll talk to you again down the road. All right, my friend. Talk to you in a few weeks. Merle Kelch, Kelch and Associates here in Wausau. It's coming up on 9 o'clock. We've got the news and the polka shows are on the way. We also have Brewer Baseball later today. The Brewers and the Washington Nationals once again from American Family Field in Milwaukee. And you can catch all of that action tonight right here. Pre-game show at 535 on WSAU. When I was in Iraq, our convoy was hit. It was bad. After I came home, I could still hear booms and see tracer fire. 